for Macho. I had a 50-50. <laughs> That's always a losing proposition for me. Amen. Brother Armado, he is from uh, uh, Indianapolis, from Calvary Apostolic. And uh, what an awesome church that is. Has been an awesome church for many years. A pillar in our movement. Amen. The Bible school. <clears throat> I've had a few friends graduate from there. And uh, it's different than ABI. <laughs> Amen. But what an awesome, awesome church. Thank you for being with us today. We're going to continue our study on uh, the fruit of the Spirit. We'll actually get into the fruit of the Spirit today, uh, beginning with love. Galatians 5:22 and 23 states, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. In other words, if we will manifest these fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we really have no need for people to tell us what to do, what's right and wrong. Uh, the manifestation of this fruit in our lives supersedes all of that. To put it another way, if, if everybody in the United States would decide of their own volition to hold themselves to every law that, that's on the books all the time, we would have no need of a police force. We would be governing ourselves. And that is God's desire for all of his people, that his laws would be in here, that they would come out in our lives. Amen. Love is a often talked about topic. We all understand that it's necessary for a Christian to love. Uh, the idea of putting that into practice, the idea of loving my neighbor, the idea of loving God, the idea that God loves me, We have in our minds uh, uh, an understanding, we believe, of what love is. We've experienced love in our lives. We have loved people in our lives. We know uh, that in, and again, I always have to qualify this in our society today because families aren't what they used to be. Okay, I understand that. I can use my family as an example. When I was growing up, I had two parents, a mother and a father. My mom stayed home and my dad went out and worked. It was it was a good situation. We weren't rich by any means, but we always had food on the table. There was always a present under the Christmas tree. There was always a present during my birthdays. And so we always, we always had enough. And <clears throat> looking back on my childhood, I know <laughs> that my parents loved me. <clears throat> now they expressed it in different ways. And if I were growing up and you asked me if my dad loved me, I would have probably been a little bit hesitant. But looking back on it, from a man's perspective, and not a small child or a, a teenage boy, I understand that his actions told me he loved me. He sacrificed for his children, his family. He hated the job he had. Brother Shepard, he was on the railroad. He was a conductor. And he was on call. He would be gone for days at a time, come home at 3 in the afternoon and go to bed. Because in eight hours they were going to call him again and he had to go back out. He hated that. He wanted to be with his family. But he sacrificed to provide for his family. 
And in doing so, he was demonstrating love for us. My mom was the same way. My mom was a typical mom. Doting, caring, merciful, you know, all of those things. Until she got upset with us. And then it was angry mom. And that was not pretty. But that was love too. Understanding that love is is not always this sloppy sentimentality. It's not always this, well, you know, I love you so you can just do whatever you want. I don't want to make you upset. That's not love. That's not love at all. If that were anything, that would be either indifference or hate. That kind of an attitude. Love will correct. Love will chastise and discipline. And love will give gifts and all of the other things that we typically think about. In our own lives, when we're demonstrating love to to someone else, how does that manifest? How does someone know that I love them? Is it because I tell them? Is it because I'm showing them? Some mix of the two? Something else? What is that exactly? Matthew 22, 36-40 says this. They're asking Jesus a question. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now that kind of gets back to what uh, Paul was talking about in First Corinthians. Or I'm sorry, Galatians. <clears throat> if we will fulfill these two, if we will love God and each other, then all the law is fulfilled. The manifestation of that love, the demonstration of that love, is what? Well, for God, we understand it's submission to his authority, obedience to his will. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's how we demonstrate our love for God. Do we love God? Do we love him? Now, of course, this gets back into probably relationship. There are people I've heard, this this wasn't the case with me and my wife, but I've heard people say, oh, for me it was love at first sight. <clears throat> Maybe. Can't relate. I don't understand that because it's never happened to me. Maybe that's the case. But I sometimes wonder what what kind of love they're talking about. Would you be willing to die for that person that you say you loved at first sight? They're certainly willing to sacrifice to, to win that person over. Not all the time. Sometimes I think that love is a feeling. It's a, this giddy emotional thing that, uh, you know, one guy said, your hormones get carbonated. And, uh, that's really all it is. <laughs> and so, I think that's probably a stage as you as you move along, but that's not love. 
That's an emotion. Love is not an emotion. It's not an emotion. Because if it were, I would be falling out of love with my wife an awful lot. And she would fall out of love with me a whole lot more. But that's not what love is. Sounds like that's an 80s song. <clears throat> Hope not. <laughs> anyway, love is something so much more than that. So much more. When we begin to build a relationship with God, and we, we start to understand His character and what He's done for us, and that He loves us, the type of love that He loves us with, is completely selfless. In the Greek, it's agape. It's a love that's impossible for a human to express. Only God can express this kind of love. In and of myself, my love is very selfish. If I love someone, I demand that to be reciprocated. Or I walk. I mean, that's just the way people are. That's not just me. <laughs> it's you guys too. <clears throat> that's everybody. In and of ourselves, we're not going to love someone if it's not in some way reciprocated. <clears throat> Through Jesus Christ, we can express a completely selfless kind of love. We can love someone even if we never get it back. And that love is not a feeling, it's not an emotion. It takes the form of service. It takes the form of submitting to them. It takes the form of ministering to their needs and taking care of them before myself. I put you first. When Jesus got a towel in a basin and washed the feet of the apostles, the disciples, Peter was horrified. You're not supposed to be doing this. But Peter needed to understand something. And Jesus demonstrated to him, to all of them, what ministry is, what service is, what love is. I can't minister to people if I don't first love them. I am not going to obey Jesus Christ unless I first love Him. I can do it for a little while. I obeyed my parents when I didn't agree with them, but my heart wasn't in it. I did it because I didn't want the belt. At the time, I thought that was a good enough motivation. I don't want to get spanked. I don't want to get tanned, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. And I'm going to shut my mouth about it. But inside, I was grumbling, complaining, hating every minute of it. That's not how we ought to serve Jesus Christ. We cannot serve him long with that kind of an attitude. We will walk away from him. But if we have a relationship with God in prayer, through the Word of God, we know Him. We have a relationship with Him. We understand who He is. We understand His character, the way He feels toward me. The Bible says we love Him because He first loved us. We also can't love the Lord until we accept the fact that He loves us. Unconditionally. He doesn't want us to stay here. He wants us to move forward to Christ-likeness. But He loves us exactly where we are at today. We cannot do any good thing to make Him love us more. We cannot do any bad thing to make Him love us less. We can't. He will love us the same no matter what. And that's important for us to understand this morning. We can't earn His love. 
And we can't do anything to, to make him remove his love. Now again, that's not saying he approves of everything we do. That's certainly not the case. I don't approve of everything my kids do. But I'm always going to love them. I don't care what they do or don't do. I will always love them the same. Talking to you, Slam. <clears throat> no matter what, I don't always approve. I'd rather they made different choices sometimes. And God with me. But I have to accept the fact scripturally. I have to accept the fact that he loves me. I don't know why he loves me. I don't understand it. Why would he even acknowledge my existence? He is way up there. And I'm way down here. How would he even notice I, I'm, I'm around? But not only does he notice us, he wants a relationship with us. He suffered on a cross and died so we could have a relationship with him. He so desperately desires time with us. And in times of our lives, we think it a chore to spend a half hour with him in prayer. And me too. The things that he had to endure and go through to make that even possible. So we need to love God. We need to submit to his will. We need to obey what he says. And we also need to love each other. <clears throat> if I can accept the fact that Jesus loves me, then I can love him back. But then I also have to accept the fact that he loves you just the same as he loves me. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. We all stand before God exactly the same. Exactly the same. And he died for you. And he died for them. Just like he died for us. To say it another way, if someone is worth the blood of Jesus Christ, I think they're probably worth a few minutes of my time. Does that make sense? We love our time in today's society. We get a few minutes of free time, that's precious to us. Everyone's busy. Everyone's got stuff going on. There's never enough time. Most people today would rather give money. They can do that and be done. They'd rather do that than give an hour, two hours of their time. Because today time is so much more precious. But in ministry... When we're serving Jesus Christ, when we're ministering to someone else, we can't just give them 50 bucks and, and make them go away. That doesn't help the need. May help them buy groceries, but they're still starved spiritually. How are they going to come to God? We're going to build a relationship with them. They're going to see Jesus Christ in us. They're going to see the works of God manifest through us. They're going to feel the love of God come through us. They don't know Jesus, but they know you. They know me. And we know God loves them. We know God suffered on a cross and died for them. So we need to love them too. 
And that needs to begin to manifest in our lives. We can't just say that we love them. That doesn't mean a whole lot. We spend our precious time ministering to them, listening to them, teaching them a Bible study, helping them shovel snow, something, spending time with them. I was talking with Brother Amato before service, and uh, he's teaching a singles class right now, a young singles class. And I, I, I told him that when I came into this, I, it would have been so nice if I had elders that I could have went to or that would have come to me and shared their experiences. Elders, you have a fount of wisdom. You have a fount of experience that needs to be shared. Young men need an older man to come alongside of them and train them. What does it mean to be a man? Especially in today's society. How do I be a Christian? What do men do in this situation? How should I treat my wife? What kind of father should I be? We don't know the stuff going into it. We, we spitball. We wing it. What else are we going to do? We've never done it before. We've got to get certified to drive a car on the road. But I can go have a kid anytime I want. No training, no experience, but now I'm responsible for an eternal soul. We need people to come alongside of us, who love us, who are concerned about our well-being, who want to see us succeed in the kingdom of God. <clears throat> and our elders have that. You've been there. You've raised children. You've made mistakes. You've had successes. All of the above. We need to know those things. We need to know those things. We value our own opinions. We need to treat others the way we want to be treated. Do we want them to spend time with us? We need to spend time with them. We value our own opinions. We want to be we want a chance to be heard. There's nothing more frustrating than being in a conversation with someone and you finally get to the point where you might be able to get a word in edgewise and then they steamroll you again. They're just taking a breath. <clears throat> That's frustrating. Not that I I think my opinions are all that, but I mean, they're at least as good as this guy's opinions. Can't we do a little give and take here? Obviously, he doesn't value what I have to say. He values what he has to say. That's rude, by the way. Don't do that. Let people talk as well. Definitely share your opinion. Definitely talk. But communication is a two-way street. Kind of like in prayer. Communication is a two-way street. We're not always talking to God the whole time, and then, thank you, Jesus, praise the Lord, and then and go about our day. And God's like, okay, I had some stuff to say. Communication is a two-way street with God and with others. <clears throat> Let them talk, too. It's okay to talk. Both need to both need to share. We appreciate that. When someone lets us talk for a few minutes, let them do the same. <clears throat> Speak to them 
and about them as you want them to speak to or about you. When someone's here, talk to them the same way as if they weren't here. That's a real easy way to stay out of trouble. If I'm going to talk about someone behind their back or if they're not present, I want to make sure that if they were present, everything I'm saying is is fine. It's on the up and up. Because something else we don't appreciate in ourselves is when someone talks behind our back. Right? So why would we want to do that to someone else? That's not demonstrating love. That's demonstrating something else. But it's not love. We need to love people like Jesus loves them. Let God express through us His love. Amen. So don't talk about people behind their back unless it's good. When the rumors come back to them, and they will, it will always get back to them somehow. Let it be something good you said. I, I, he's been talking about you. Oh, really? What's he been saying? Everything great. Oh. Okay, well, cool. We set others above us. Their needs above our needs. Their time above our time. We set them above The demonstration of this love is an act of the will. It's not an emotion. Now, we understand that the love of God, talking about agape love, is set abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We cannot of ourselves manifest this kind of love for others. But through the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will manifest that in us. Demonstrating that is a choice. Demonstrating that love is an act of the will. You're not always going to feel it. Not all of you felt like coming to church this morning. Probably. It's a good guess. But yet here you are. Most of us don't feel like going to work. But we do. My pastor always said, going through the motions brings on the emotions. In other words, if we'll worship God in our bodies, eventually we'll begin to feel the presence of God. If we're serving people through our volition, our, our, our free choice, eventually we're going to start getting a burden for that person. We're going to start wanting to minister to them. But sometimes we've got to make the choice first. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-8 says, this is probably familiar to most of us, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. The love chapter, right? 
there are some characteristics of God's love that, that need to be hit on here. When we manifest the love of God, these characteristics manifest kind of as a default, organically, holistically. They come as a result of God's love manifest in us. Benjamin Franklin, if you know anything about him, he tried it the other way. He focused on specific attributes that he wanted to see in his life, uh, and, and he worked on those attributes. But as Christians, we want to focus on the love of God. We want to accept his love toward us. We want to love him in return. Because of that, we want to love other people as God loves them. If those things are met, all of these other things are going to be taken care of. We don't have to worry about them. Characteristics of God's love. It's never impatient. It suffereth long. You don't have to pray for patience. Pray for love. Amen. It's never unkind, but it's gentle. Now, that doesn't mean it's not sometimes firm. Again, it's not sloppy sentimentality. But it's not unkind. We can discipline people in love. We can discipline them kindly, not harshly. When people discipline harshly, it's typically because they're angry. And it makes them feel better. That's not why we discipline. That's not why God disciplines us. He disciplines us because He loves us and He wants us to move forward in Him. He wants us to become Christ-like. It's for our benefit, not His. So if we ever need to discipline others, do it out of love because you want to see them improve and move forward. Love is never jealous. When something good happens to a brother or a sister, we don't become jealous. We don't become envious. We rejoice with them. We love them. We want to see them succeed. Again, in my kids, probably yours too, I want to see them grow up and do things I never could. I want to see them succeed far beyond anything I could ever do. That wouldn't make me upset at all. I would, I would be the first to sing their praises. I can't wait to see people succeed around me. And if I can have some part in that, all the better. All the better. It's not jealous. We don't become envious of other people. It never shows off or places itself in front of others. It vaunteth not itself. This kind of goes hand in hand with jealousy. Someone starts moving ahead of me. Someone starts getting ahead a little bit. I want to block them off. Oh, slow down there, Slam. Don't get ahead. Don't get ahead of me. As far as spirituality goes, as far as working in the kingdom of God goes, I want all of you to get ahead of me. All of you. And so does God. God wants us to succeed. So we should want each other to succeed. Right? That doesn't diminish anything that I can contribute to the kingdom of God. It doesn't take anything away from that. And it doesn't take anything away from what you can contribute. What God wants you to do. We are fitly framed together. Amen? We need each other. The body is not one person. The body is just not the heart or the lungs. It takes all of it to be able to do everything. Never values itself over others. It's not puffed up. Again, I don't want to artificially 
pump up my reputation or my abilities or what I can do because I'm feeling small today. That's not love. If one of you guys goes out and, and wins ten souls in your first Bible study, and I keep teaching Bible studies and there's just not anything happening right now, that's awesome. That's awesome. As an aside, not just in Bible studies, but, but with the work of the Lord in any facet, God calls us to be faithful. God doesn't call us to make sure the results take place. Okay? In other words, if I'm teaching Bible study after Bible study after Bible study, I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm doing what I need to do and nothing's happening. Is that my fault? It's not. And for a long time, I thought it was. Whose fault? Whose who's would it be? Whose fault? Who can I blame this on? I'm the only one here. But the results aren't up to me. God called me to be faithful in teaching a Bible study. If I'm faithful in teaching a Bible study, then the results are up to God. He's going to work it out with that person. God brings people to the place of repentance. God removes the veil from off of our hearts. So when someone else is having success, and, you know, our definition of success, and I'm not, success is being faithful. Success is, is being obedient to the will of God for your life. That's success. Everything else is up to God. I still think it's okay to keep praying about it and feel that burden. We want to see the results. Anyway, um, never insists on its own way. Seeketh not her own. There are people whose it's my way or the highway. And there are probably times for that. Certainly if you're the one in authority, I mean in the army, you know, battle time situation, there's not a lot of time to get everyone's opinions and and take a vote and discuss things. The NCOIC or the the, the lieutenant, they're going to tell us what to do and you go do it. Whether it's right, wrong, or something in between. we got to do something. They're the person with the authority. They're the ones that call the shots. There are times for that. Okay? The point is, when it comes to the work of the Lord, when it comes to dealing with, uh, with human beings, with people, My opinion is not always the best one. God speaks to other people as well. Someone else may have a fantastic idea that I hadn't even considered, and vice versa. I'm not, I ought not be married to my opinion. I ought to be looking for the best one. And that's okay. Just because you have a better idea than I do doesn't mean I'm stupid. Doesn't mean I'm a failure. I don't have I don't have to take that personally. That's okay. I'm going to rejoice. We've got a better idea now. Thank you. That's that's great. God doesn't speak to just you. And he doesn't speak with just me. Now, please understand, there are areas that God will speak to the pastor about and not you. There are areas that God will speak to your ministry about that he will not speak to the ministers under you about. Okay? We understand that. Why do people always feel a need to qualify everything they say? Why is that? Uh, That's for some other time. 
I'll think about that later. <clears throat> it's never irritable, not easily provoked. Never resentful, thinketh no evil. You know, there are, there are things that are going to happen to us as Christians. And they're going to come through people that you love. Hurts, wounds, offenses. They're going to come through people that you love. They're not going to come through people that you're indifferent about because it just doesn't matter then. Someone walked up to me on the street that I'd never met and told me, I hate the way you dress. And you're bald. Okay. Thank you for that. I'll file that away. (laughs) I don't care. I don't care what that person thinks. But if my wife came up and told me something like that and kept telling me something like that, I would start to, uh, yeah, That would affect me way different. When we love other people, we open ourselves up to that. Understand that. When Jesus loved you and me, he opened himself up for a world of pain. He opened himself up for rejection. But he loves us anyway. When we decide we're going to manifest the love of God toward others, we're opening ourselves up to that same potential hurt. People are going to hurt us. People are going to wound us. That's just, that's ministry. That's living for Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Okay? Just understand. Jesus understands. He knows what what you feel. But because we love that person, we ought not take offense. Yes, it hurts, but we don't get upset about it. We don't get resentful or bitter about it. Because we're we're still wanting the best for that person. We love them. Jesus is loving them through us. And so we, we still want to see them succeed. We still want to see the very best life for them that they could possibly experience. Even though they hurt me. And I promise you, eight, maybe nine times out of ten, they don't even know that they did. Someone cuts you off on the, on the road. We get all indignant and, and enraged. They didn't even see you. They don't even know you exist. It wasn't on purpose. So, just understand. People say things. People do things. People are human. They do human things. So do you. We hurt people. We wound people. Unintentionally. We don't ever rejoice in other people's failures, and we always believe the best about others. If I secretly, someone tries something, and they they fail at it, and I feel good about it, that's a red flag, sir, ma'am. That is a red flag. I ought not feel good about someone else's failure. And I'm always going to believe the best about them. Someone comes to me with some weird, did you hear what they said? Did, did you hear where they went? What they did? And I'm immediately, oh yeah, I could see that. Yep, that, that sounds about right for that person. There's a red flag too. I'd have been thinking, eh, are you sure? That doesn't sound like them at all. We believe the best 
about people. Love never gives up. Through all of this, working with people, working with someone else, you are going to experience disappointment. You're going to watch them fail you. You're going to watch them disappoint you. They're not always going to live up to your expectations. They're not going to do the things you want them to do or how you want them to do them. But love never gives up. Love never gets frustrated. God has never given up on me. And he never will. I can't give up on someone else. Well, he keeps backsliding. He just won't do right. He just, I know that. I understand that. But I have to believe that God's still working on him. God's still loving him. I'm going to keep working with him. I'm going to keep loving him. Because he did with me. Amen. The preeminence of love. God's love will never fail. In other words, it it will never stop. It will never go out of existence. It will always be present no matter what happens. The gifts of the Spirit will one day cease. They're no longer going to be necessary at some point in time. That will pass away. Knowledge. The knowledge we have is going to be set aside, made useless, wiped out, and it will be replaced with perfect knowledge. We will know even as we are known. But God's love will always be present. It will never fail. Through all of eternity, God's love will be there. And when I talk about love, again, please understand the kind of love I'm referring to. It's a love that always wants the very best for me. It's a love that wants me to succeed. The very best life I can have, the very best me that I can be, is what God wants. And he'll use the carrot and he'll use the stick to get me there. It's easy. It's easy to to give gifts to people and to tell them how awesome they are and to, you know, because then they like me. And, And that's a good thing. We all like people to like us. But when we have to do the opposite, we have to discipline someone. Tell them they're doing something wrong. That's not easy to do because I do love them. It's like, you know, the first time I spanked my young adult son. That was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. But there was a reason I did it, and I made sure he understood that. I explained to him why why we're doing this. I did it. And then I told I hugged him and I told him I love him and and I built him back up. But I had to discipline him. He had to understand that what he did was wrong. My dad did the same to me. His dad did the same to him. God does that to me. I don't think he enjoys doing that. I think he'd rather give good things to us, but he most certainly will because he knows where it brings us to. That's what love does. Love seeks our best, even when we don't understand what our best is. Even when we rail in his face about how mean and evil he is. 
He'll do it anyway. Because he loves us. He doesn't need our love to be reciprocated. He doesn't need us to like him in the moment. For him to want to do what's best for us. Thank God. John 15, 12 and 13 says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. This means that we completely commit ourselves to someone else's well-being. And commitment, that's, that's a sermon in itself. We so desperately have need of Christians, men and women, who will commit to the work of God. You know, the Bible says uh, that we ought not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It doesn't mean just church service. It doesn't mean just Sunday morning. Okay? That means whenever these doors are open. We have to be faithful to the house of God. But that takes commitment. It's not always easy to get here. It's not always convenient for us to get here. If we can't keep a, a simple commitment, I'm going to hold off on that. <clears throat> we need to commit. We need to commit to the work of God. This needs to take precedence in our lives. This is our priority. If this is not our priority, then something else is. In conclusion, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Okay, fear, in this case, we're, we're talking about cowardice or timidity. What love causes us to do is it will move us to speak truth to others. It will move us to minister to others even when it's uncomfortable, even when they may not like the approach we're taking, they may not like what we're saying to them. But we're going to do it anyway because we love them. Love will motivate us to minister to others' needs even when our needs aren't being met. Amen. Manifesting the love of God in our lives is one of the greatest things that we're called to do. It is so important that people understand just how much and in what capacity Jesus Christ loves them. They need to understand. And how they're going to understand is it's demonstrated through us. Amen. Let's all stand.